Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Sounds of L.A. I'm your host, Anthony Deducis. As always, thank you for joining me for another edition of The Audio Adventure. I'm here, live as always, from Vinton Hollywood Studios in Palms, And if you're still not sure what this podcast is about, it's a curated jaunt around my favorite places in Los Angeles. Places where you can hear music, and places that can be brought to life through sound and storytelling. Also, I try to layer in some decently entertaining stories. If you're looking for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, you're in the wrong place. Today's episode will take us to Record Surplus, which is a vintage record shop in Sautel. We'll take a trip over there to listen to some rare records and better understand why there's still an appetite for records, even though we live in a time when pretty much any song ever written can be found on your smartphone. But first, I want to share a story from my childhood. I think it'll shed some light on why records are interesting to me and why some people still want to buy them. When I was five years old, my parents bought a new top-of-the-line Stoney stereo system. It had two big speakers, a cassette player, a CD player, a radio, and a record player. I can still remember my dad setting it up in the living room, probably getting frustrated at how complicated the setup was. Now, you may be wondering why my parents would buy a record player, since by 1994, records had been obsolete for a while. Well, they bought one because they had a pretty substantial record collection. The White Album, Sgt. Peppers, The Who, Yes, The Doors, Rod Stewart, a bunch of old Greek music. They must have over 100 records in their basement. And my dad's two favorite records were Tea for the Tillerman and Teaser and the Fire Cat, both of which were recorded in the early 1970s by Cat Stevens. If you haven't heard of Cat Stevens, let me fill you in for a minute. Cat Stevens is a Greek-British folk musician who was popular in the 70s. He wrote The First Cut is the Deepest, Peace Train, and this song, Wild World. He toured with Jimi Hendrix. He dated Carly Simon. And when I was five, my parents and I listened to his records all the time. I pretty much knew two things about him at the time. He was Greek, and my parents liked him, which meant he was alright by me. So we listened to Tea for the Tillerman and Teaser and the Firecat quite a bit until I knew all the words, all the songs, on all the albums. Those two records were my first window into popular music. Most of Cat's songs are positive and joyful, and many of the lyrics are whimsical and conjured up some interesting imagery in the mind of a five-year-old with a big imagination. Like this song, Longer Boats. Just listen to some of the words. They'll be taking the key from the door. Mary dropped her pants by the sand. I've let a possum come and take her hand. But the soul of nobody knows where the possum goes. Does the possum 
I'm not sure what any of that means, even today. So you could just imagine how confusing this song is for a five-year-old. There's, there's just so much to unpack here. For one thing, I'm not Protestant, so I'd never heard of a parson before. And why exactly are the longer boats coming to win us? How does a boat even win you? Who's Mary? These are questions I still have. Here's another one for you. This song is called Ruby Love. My love, you be my love, you be my sky above, you be my light, you be my light, you be my day and night, you be mine tonight. As you can probably tell, this song has a pretty heavy Greek bazooki influence. My parents would listen to Greek music once in a while when I was a kid, and I remember liking this song a lot since it was in English and Greek. And clearly, Cap must have been paying attention in Greek school because here's the Greek part. In case you were wondering, it means the same thing as the English part. Now, this song, Morning Has Broken, is Cat's interpretation of a British hymn. Morning has broken like the first morning Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for them springing fresh from the world. I loved it then and now because it's simply a really pretty piece of music. I like the piano part, which you better believe I retaught myself how to play as I was researching this episode. And obviously, Morning Has Broken has Christian themes. In my mind, it conjures up Genesis and the Garden of Eden. Also, if you've seen season two of The Handmaid's Tale, there's a scene in the colonies set to a very creepy and haunting version of Morning is Broken. Clearly they were going for irony. Here's one more for you. This is Peace Train. Take a wild guess at what it's about. Now I've been happy lately Thinking about the good things to come and I believe it could be something good has begun. Oh, been smiling Peace Train was one of my favorite songs as a kid. When I would listen to it, I imagined a real train chugging along a grassy field beneath the rainbow. 
Also, my dad would call the family car the peace train. As in, let's get on board the peace train. I, I, I grew up in a weird home. So to put it all together, all of Cat Stevens' songs painted powerful images in my mind when I was a kid. And as an adult listening to these songs again, they connect me back to those images. Back to my parents' old house. Back to the Sony stereo system. Back to my childhood. I can imagine myself sitting with my parents, holding the album cover, reading along with the lyrics printed on the back. I can still see the peace train in my mind, chugging along a grassy field beneath the rainbow. I'm still moved by these songs. I hope that I always am. I've taken you on this 10-minute nostalgia tour into my childhood memories of listening to a British folk musician to show you how records act as a window through time. They're a source of nostalgia, a wormhole back to a distant, formative time and place, like a summer in high school, a dorm room, a first rock concert. This is their enduring appeal, and this is why vintage record stores exist all over Los Angeles. That's why we're going to Record Surplus in West L.A. to peer into the minds of vinyl fans after this short break. Hi, it's Anthony again. Instead of a fake commercial, I'm going to share with you a quick show within a show. It's called L.A. Letters. In addition to being one of the most beloved podcast hosts in Los Angeles, I'm also a mild-mannered marketing manager with an MBA, Try saying that four times fast. And this week, I'm giving career advice to a few Angelanos who wrote me letters. Of course, I'm just using first names and a last initial for privacy. First up, we have a letter from LeBron J. in Brentwood. LeBron writes, Dear Anthony, I moved to L.A. this summer for my dream job with a widely renowned local brand. My first day of work is next month, and I'm not sure that I'm up to the challenge. I've been successful for over 15 years in smaller cities, and I'm considered an all-time great in my line of work. But I've never had such high expectations placed on me before. My new employer used to be a top organization, but has been a bottom dweller for years. Everyone is expecting me to turn things around, but my new coworkers are young, raw, and immature. What should I do? Excellent question, LeBron. I would encourage you to believe in yourself. You're clearly a generational talent, and a generational talent doesn't come around every day. People have been moving to L.A. since its beginnings in pursuit of stardom and greatness, and as long as you work hard every day, keep a positive attitude, and encourage your new co-workers, you'll be successful in no time. Also, don't pass the rock to Lonzo. He can't shoot, and his dad's an asshole. Our next letter comes to us from Les M., in CBS Television City. <clears throat> Dear Anthony, I was recently fired from an important job that I adored. For over 15 years, I created mediocre sitcoms that entertained the flyover states and made my company's shareholders billions. It was wonderful. 
But the company's board found out that I've been a little, uh, shall we say, aggressive with some of the women around the office, and after some bad press, they fired me. The ingrates. I mean, I was amazing at my job, and when you're amazing at your job, you attract the attention of lots of women, and you don't have to follow any rules. I mean, that was the first thing they taught me when I moved to Hollywood. How can I convince my company to bring me back? Ugh. Less. Your letter reeks of self-pity, and you seem to think that you're the victim here. In fact, I'm not even sure you understand why what you did was so egregiously wrong. If you somehow manage to get another job, keep your hands off your co-workers this time, okay? Our last letter comes to us from Eric G. in City Hall. Dear Anthony, I have a solid day job here in L.A., but I'm starting to find things a little unfulfilling. There's a much bigger, better job on the East Coast that's opening up in two years, and I think I want it. The problem is that a lot of other people also want this job, and if I start campaigning too openly for a promotion, people in L.A. might get mad. My dad thinks I should go for it. He's wanted it for me since I was a kid. Should I go make some speeches in Iowa, or should I stick around here? Well, Eric, usually to get a promotion, you have to do a really good job at the job you have, and I'm not sure that you are. I mean, the 10 going eastbound is a parking lot after 2 p.m., there are homeless tents everywhere, and my rent is too damn high. Now, I'm not entirely sure what line of work you're in, but something tells me you might be able to help solve these problems if you applied yourself a little. So, Eric, don't quit your day job. This has been LA Letters. I hope my advice has been enlightening and elucidating. And now, back to the sounds of LA and a trip to record surplus. Cool. So there's quite quite the selection here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, the front part of the store is our, our discount section. We call it the attic because at the old store... Record Surplus calls itself the last record store. It boasts over 50,000 records, and it was the right place to go to get my questions answered. Ronnie Barnett is one of the managers at Record Surplus. As you'll see, he boasts an encyclopedic knowledge of music, and he's a friendly guy who just loves talking about records. So I started by asking him about how he first found his way to record surplus. You know, I've worked in a record store since I was 15. I'm 53 now. Oh, wow. Uh, so when I was 15 in 1980, uh, I'm originally from Houston, Texas. I used to hang around the record local record store. Mm -hmm. I was one of those kids. Yeah. That led to me being friends with a manager, which led to me like he hated anything punk or new wave. So I would sweep up for the promos. Like, so I'd get the Clash London Calling promo. <laughs> I moved on to other stores. I moved here in 89 and uh, I became a musician. So I actually didn't have a day job for 10 years. And then, uh, yeah, I started working in record stores again uh, around the around the turn of the century. Oh wow, so what kind of music did yeah. you play? Uh, well, our, our band is actually still together. We're called The Muffs. And we are kind of a, uh, basically it's, it's, it's traditional pop, uh, Mercy beat songwriting just kind of revved up a bit. We're a three-piece. We have a girl singer. The thing that I can point to that most people would know us for mm -hmm. is our version of Kids in America from Clueless. Uh, the opening credits. Everyone's seen Clueless. You've heard our song. The album went platinum. 
so I haven't seen Clueless. You haven't seen Clueless? I yeah, see, not. now a whole generation is coming <laughs> up, coming around that hasn't seen Clueless. I should have done my You've heard of it, though. No, no, it's okay. I should have done my research. It's okay. It's not about, I'm representing the store in this interview anyway. So, so but anyway, then, I, I met Neil uh, at another store I worked at that, hate, that I hated mm-hmm. called Second Spin. <laughs> and uh, I basically introduced myself in, in the time he happened to be right where he was actually looking to mm-hmm. uh, get somebody else in here. So... Mm-hmm. Most of our employees, most of the employees, like uh, a couple of the guys you've seen out there, mm-hmm. they've been here for since the mid '90s. Wow! So people don't change a lot. Whenever anybody asks for a job here, mm-hmm. I, I always have to say, "Well, to be honest, we have not hired anyone, anybody in like five years." <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. So then, what keeps what? Why do people stick around? Like, what makes somebody a record head that they want to be so close to, so close to all of this? I think it's well. I, I think it's kind of in our blood. Um, I mean, every day I come to work, I see a record I haven't seen before, you know? Whether it's because it's got a funny cover or mm-hmm. whether it's a, a music I haven't heard or um, or just, I don't know, talking about a buy that came in or just... First off, we all love music. Right. While it's kind of the same every day, it's a little different every day, too. So I'm not saying it's a barrel of laughs every day. <laughs> and uh, working with the public, yeah, you have your moments where... It's not so great, especially when you're buying records from somebody. Um, I used to be a buyer at Amoeba, mm-hmm. uh, where I was doing that eight hours a day, just doing buys from people, and I was threatened. I, my life was threatened on a daily basis. Oh like, wow! No exaggeration. By yeah, buyers yeah. or sellers? No, by sellers. By people. <laughs> when you're standing between uh, either them needing money for things that aren't healthy for them, or mm-hmm. uh, whether you're dealing with people that think their stuff is worth a lot more than it is i mean uh there, there's an art to doing buys where you just some people require a little more babysitting than others and but you know all that said um in this in this line of work we also meet tons of cool people every day you meet people from europe that are over here that are just so happy to maybe find one particular record or, or here we get all kinds so so we get classical buyers of course we have the rock buyers and soul mm-hmm. buyers and jazz buyers but um you know, you get the odd guy that's into easy listening or or vocals. The guy's excited, actually excited to find clean Perry Como records. They're not that common, this person. Don't get me wrong, but uh, <laughs> but they are out there. And What you just said like really borders on what I think is like the most interesting question one could have about a record store is, which is, in the world today, in my pocket, I have access to pretty much every song ever written in great quality. Yes. Everybody has this, or yes. just about everybody. But to your point, there are still people who are super excited for a clean Perry Como record, or for easy listening, or for rock, or what have you, right? Yeah. There are real record heads out there. Why do you think that is? There are some people that still enjoy like a tangible item they can hold and, 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 and look at and read credits and, and read liner notes. And, you know, the old records, some have gatefold sleeves, you, you pull them open and um i don't know there's something special about maybe hearing a little crackly noise behind that music you know it's 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 not the same scrolling through your itunes list mm-hmm. there's no personality to that i mean it's not the same as actually holding it and so there's a tactile experience almost, i think like so to, too it, to hold it in your hands huh yes and it's not just like for old guys like me that have been around and, and that's what we know you're probably probably going to get to this but yeah a lot of a lot of kids are buying records now that said the records they're buying are old <laughs> they they want pink floyd records and they want beatles records and they want stones records 
I had a lady come in um, recently that, that saw we have a whole wall of records that are being processed. Uh-huh. And she's like, can I go over and just smell the wall? I just want to smell the... And of course, I had to say yes. Yeah. No one's ever asked me before, so... You mean you don't get Please, man. Yeah, yeah, not everybody like... comes in wanting to sniff the wall, believe it or not. But she did, and... Uh, <laughs> no, she was really happy. And then even when she left, I go, do you want to you sniff it again? I was talking about the wall. And, uh, <laughs> and she did it again. That's pretty wild. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's funny to me, like, because you talk about, like, a younger generation being interested in vinyl. Like, I kind of roll my eyes when I hear hipsters say, like, oh, I like vinyl, it sounds better, it's just, like, it's, you, you don't get, it, like, the whole experience streaming. And I... I, I, I you know, I make fun of that, but yeah. at the same time, maybe that maybe that does it for some. People, I know what you, you know? mean. You know, there's a fine line when people are saying that and they're and they're buying those cheap Crosley record players that you get at Urban Outfitters yeah. that are like sixty bucks, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a scene, right? Just and like then yeah, 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 like and then a little bit, and then buy like I always say, like hey, you know, just think about this: you're buying a thirty dollar Adele record to play on a record player that costs only twice as much as this record. <laughs> I mean, you're not getting the full. You know, besides the fact those those record players are really bad for your records, um, you're not getting the 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 full you know audio experience. But maybe they just like spinning records, and who am I to? Mm-hmm. But I always tell people, you know, it's fine to have those, but like, you know, buy cheap records, buy buy records from our bargain section, and that's <laughs> fine. Have it in your bedroom. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't buy a hundred dollar collectible record and play it on that thing because they do rip up your this is my public service <laughs> they do they do rip right through the grooves of your records and mm. so yeah what do you say we check out some records sure yeah 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 all right let's do it here at our store you know we break down uh it's the big jazz section at the end of yeah time. it goes the whole practically yeah. across half the store yeah and at the end it kind of gets a little more uh, uh streamlined with like latin jazz and big band dixie and we throw the, we don't really deal in 78s, but we end up with some decent ones, so they end up at the end there. My my when my when my dad cleaned up my grandmother's house, there were all these like 78s. They're like old stuff, like from oh, yeah. Greece, like yeah. that kind of. Yeah. That is the. Uh, those are the kind of seven. Most 78s are not worth mm-hmm. anything, but because um, there's nothing to play them on, right? Well, no, you can still. Well, you know, if you wanted to track down one of those crank Victrola that's like things. the you old can, like yeah the kind with like the big like the like the horn on it right yeah yeah yeah. you can track those down but actually a lot of new players actually give you the option oh you have this a 78 sonic but here's a hint for people don't don't use change your needle for the 78 don't use the same needle you use on 78s mm-hmm. to use on your other records on those kind of players i know it's a pain change the needle <laughs> this is a new one bruno mars 24 car yeah or? yeah that's uh like i say we carry a lot of records new now so um it's kind of hard. Some some new records you know are going to sell, and some you kind of roll the dice on and then mm-hmm. sit here. And then you got like the Love and Spoonful right next to it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, Soul, Blues. Proud of our oldie section. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, our Blues section too. Blues records are hard to get these days. And, um, yeah? Yeah. And, um, Let's see what we got here. pretty good. Yeah. Um, oh, B.B. King. Oh, Etta James at last. I that know this one. That record sells like crazy. I bet. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we always talk that. And you can sell her out of blues or soul or female mm-hmm. vocals. So. Yeah, there's a lot we of We have a lot of them. We, we spread them. The overlapping part of the Venn there's diagram is substantial. Her, exactly. Uh, all these into rockabilly. Oh, we got a good surf section here. 
Neil, the owner, is very into surf music. Yeah. So he makes sure that we stock a lot of surf. What 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 would he define as surf music? Um, like the Beach Boys? Is that surf music? No, I mean, um, that's traditional surf music is like the instrumental groups, like the Ventures, and you know they play fuzzy lead guitars. And, mm-hmm. um, and then Beach Boys kind of were influenced a bit by that, and then started writing songs with, with lyrics mm-hmm. about surfing. Yeah. But uh, Beach Boys is in rock. <laughs> Our stores, you know, a lot of stores have turned their back on classical in this day and age. Yeah, you, but, have a, you guys have a huge classical we section. We have a huge classical section here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we have a full-time guy that does it, which is Mel over there. And, um, oh. Yeah. So Prokofiev Symphony for Cello and Orchestra by the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Act, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, if you were an actor, you could easily get a record deal. Doing what? As I'm holding a John Travolta record. This is from like 77. Uh, singing or 76 yeah so this is like welcome back Cotter era wow this is pre- yeah he's got like a blue turtleneck on he sure does yeah. look at that hair those, those, that those, turtleneck matches his eyes I know it's not fair yeah I know Eddie Murphy had a really crappy uh, music like singing yes. career yes uh, he made some record it's always uh, never know if, whether to file those in comedy with his comedy records <laughs> or, or in soul uh, cause like Rick James produced mm-hmm. one of those songs and stuff but uh patriotic section mm-hmm. no one ever shops this section <laughs> um, look how we better up our Halloween section yes uh, it's coming and look next we have month. nothing yeah 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 um, we keep these sections out all year round though. we keep some Christmas out year mm-hmm. round and, uh, that's a hint too if you want Christmas records you should buy them now don't come in people always come in like three days before Christmas do you have the Vince Guaraldi Charlie Brown Christmas <laughs> no we don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then where is the... There's a dollar bin? Yeah, yeah. The super discount section. It's a bit... We used to kind of uh, try to keep things uh, in categories over here. But yeah. It just gets to where you... It's not worth the time to put into. To sort it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People that buy dollar records, um, you know, they, they should be digging. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and if you see things like uh, like this Vanilla Fudge record, yeah, it's got some damage. That's why it's in the dollar bin. Mm. So, some things are worth a dollar, like these, like the Stan Fogelberg record. But yeah, this Vanilla Fudge is gonna have some issues. Oops, sorry, Elton John. Oh, that Elton's gonna have some issues. Yeah, yeah. Caribou. Oh, this is good. It's got the bitches back and don't let the sun go down on me. Oh yeah. I found out um, there's a scene in Knocked Up that takes place here. Oh, huh. Yeah. It was our old store. Oh, at the old yeah. store. Yeah. How did that happen? Was like Apatow or Seth Rogen a fan of the store or something? Um, or? This happens a lot. People scout our store. Uh, we just did a shoot last week, which I can't talk about. Okay. Um, I want to talk about, but I can't. Mm. I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people scout the store and... Uh, Actually, how that works on a big thing like that. Yeah, the scouts go out and find it, take pictures. Mm-hmm. Then they go back to, like, Apatow. You know what I mean? Then the, mm-hmm. Were you around when it happened? Like, did you... I was not here then. No, no, no. I was not here then. But, uh-huh. uh, they did... Uh, we have a picture over there. Here, mm-hmm. I'll show you. So... Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're right. They're looking through... Uh, yeah. They're looking through the rock section. Yeah, yeah. And, I can tell you why it bothers me. These records are not in order. Look at this. You have Oingo Boingo and Neil Young. 
and then Eric Clapton. Right, yeah, they're not alphabetized. This is not, this is not yeah. <laughs> Bugs me. <laughs> anyway, funny aside story. Uh, this guy that worked on the crew, you can see here, you can't uh-huh. on the podcast, but uh, he was in a band, a 70s band called Pure Prairie League, who had a minor hit with a song called Amy, and the guys... Yeah, I know I, I know that song, yeah. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, the guys, you know, Rogan found out about that and mm-hmm. kept making jokes about the Pure Prairie League the rest of the day, apparently. <laughs> and the guy was kind of getting mad by the end. That's what I heard. Why was <laughs> so after getting the grand tour from Ronnie, there was one more thing I had to do before I could consider my record surplus experience complete. Something I hadn't done for a very long time. What's the verdict? Uh, I'm going to go with a... So I just went, I was just looking at what's, you know, the rock records of a price today to go out. And uh, mm-hmm. um, and I went with uh, Wish You Were Here by Badfinger. Badfinger was a uh, a group that was originally on Apple Records, the Beatles label. Mm-hmm. In fact, Paul McCartney wrote a, their first big hit, Come and Get It. Yeah. And they're a very Beatles-esque uh, band, but their music really has stood the test of time. Um, but uh, let's see, I'll just put it on here. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, put on the right side. Just a Chance by Badfinger. But, uh, yeah, the, um, I don't mean to get into their story, but, yeah, they mm-hmm. signed some bad business deals, and, uh, it was a little tough. I feel like that comes with the territory, right? Well, it, it, it definitely used to. Actually, it's still, you know, the way they do deals now are these 360 deals where the record company gets a piece of everything, merchandising. Mm-hmm. Used to not work that way. Well, yeah, because now people don't. I didn't even work that way ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, th- now they, they got more. Money, they make money on re- on on retail, merchandise, concerts. I think exactly. tour a lot more than they used to. Exactly. I mean, back in the day, you would tour to sell a record. Mm-hmm. Now you put out a record, so you have an excuse to tour. Mm. You know. Last question. Yeah. You can only pick three records. Oh God. That's it. Yeah. Which do you pick? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, me. Supposed to be a tough question. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, I'm gonna go with the first record by a group called Suicide. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, this is probably a common choice. I'm gonna go with the first Big Star record. And then uh, God. I don't know, just today. These are my choices today, by the way. Okay. I'll change tomorrow. Good change. Um, cheap first cheap trip record. Oh, so that's okay. my favorite band of all time. So I'm not de- I'm not depressed that I didn't know all three because I have heard of Cheap Trick. Yeah, the it's first, okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. First yeah. two bands I don't know. No, no, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, yeah, maybe you might not be ready for Suicide yet. The band. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that joyous note, that's it for this episode's audio adventure. I hope you've enjoyed this installment of The Sounds of L.A. For your own adventure, from the dollar bin to the jazz section and everywhere in between, check out Record Surplus at the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and Centinella Ave. Until next time, I'm Anthony DeDuces. See you soon.